Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and a bevy of films to review this week. First, there's the new Pixar animated film Lightyear, there's the Netflix sci-fi thriller Spiderhead, and then there's three films out of Sundance with Good Luck to You Leo Grand, Cha-Cha Real Smooth, and Brian and Charles. First up is Lightyear, which is the latest feature film from Pixar Animation Studios, and I have been upfront about this before. I came from the world of animation, and so I tend to be a little more generous towards feature films that are animated, but I also, you know, try to be as objective as I can. And I think when it comes to Pixar, you know, we're all relatively generous towards those films because they have a track record of just amazing work, right? Like, it's, I would say, objectively amazing work. And so when a film like Lightyear comes out from that studio... There are certainly expectations on it, and it's hard because I'm just going to be upfront about the core of this review. You know, I think if this had been not in a Toy Story franchise or not involving the Toy Story IP, and it had not necessarily come from Pixar, this would have been better received or we wouldn't have had such high expectations for it. But because it does have all of those things in its DNA, I came in being like, I want this to be really good, but I don't think it's going to because Pixar for me... You know, they have told stories that have given us a vocabulary about how to talk about emotions, right? Like Inside Out gave us a way to be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm operated by anger, or I'm operated by sadness right now, or core memories, or something like Coco, which just gave us, gave us a way to like cope with the afterlife and passing on and things like that. And Or Up, which tells one of the greatest love stories of all time within, you know, a few intro opening minutes, and then tells a great story afterwards. But like they, they have shown that they are able to innovate and be masters of their craft. And so when something comparatively mediocre comes along, it's kind of a bummer. You know, I'll also say I was always more of a Woody person. I identified with his neuroses more than I identified with Buzz Lightyear's big, brash, kind of dumb maleness. And so the premise of Lightyear is that it's the film that in that, you know, Andy from Toy Story in 1995 saw a movie called Lightyear and he was obsessed with it. And that is why he purchased the Buzz Lightyear toy or was, it was purchased for him. You know, it was the phenomenon of the time. And so this is that movie. And the other thing I'm going to say is, so if you, you know, it's the movie within the movie or whatever you want to call it. And it's a movie about an effectively cis, straight, white, you know, action-y hero, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, do we really need this at this point? Yes, I get it. The idea is based on their sort of universe logic that this came out in 1995 but you're making it in the 2020s you know so did we need this story and then all the supporting characters are people of color or women or lgbtqia plus and it's just like huh those stories would have been more interesting to me at this point in time because i didn't need the buzz lightyear story i know how the buzz lightyear story is going to end he's going to save the day whatever and i think if the filmmakers had been willing to put those other characters at the forefront and they sort of try you know, I'll give credit, they try, but it's always Buzz at the core, right? I think if they had just been willing to like use Buzz Lightyear as the lead-in to the franchise or the story and then have him fade away or disappear, maybe it's a story about like, you know, having to retrieve Buzz Lightyear, I don't, I don't know. I, I would have been more warmed to that film than just seeing your average generic kind of almost like 90s action thriller story that we've seen a million times before. And this doesn't, do a bad job of telling that type of story, but it's also nothing new, right? It's just new because it's animated. I, I will say, I did think the action was better than watching something like Jurassic World Dominion, but I also think this movie was about 45 minutes shorter, so maybe that's why I was feeling better towards it. Anyway, I'm not going to go into the plot. The only caveat I will say about the plot is it did feel, I'm not going to say mature, but you know, I don't know if little kids, they'll get the action, but then there's so much talking. <laughs> 
that happens that I don't know if it will hold their attention. Little, little kids. I think if you were probably like eight to 12, maybe 12 might be, you know, too old for that. That might be the sweet spot for this film, but there's just a, I don't know. The, the, the hubris of the character also annoys me. And, it, you know, whether it's the action figure version of Buzz or, you know, this movie version of Buzz, it's not my favorite character. And so to have them have their own entire feature film and have characters who I started to think were more interesting only play supporting roles was not for me. I, I know it sounds like I'm being very harsh on this, but I also think that, you know, animation is film and art and so we should apply the same level of you know critical eye that we do to live action films and uh, Pixar has shown before that they can compete in those categories but this to me was was kind of phoning it in I felt like now again all that being said you're not gonna have a bad time at this film it's still a well crafted film from a technical standpoint I think the performances are fine I just wanted so much more out of it and because it comes from a studio who has shown time and time again that they can deliver more it's kind of a bummer but over Overall, I'll still give it a 3.8 out of 5. I'm going to take a quick break and be right back. And I'm back. And then the next film I have is called Spiderhead, and it's a Netflix film. It is from Joseph Kaczynski, who just directed Top Gun Maverick, which is a film that I admitted that I, you know, I enjoyed, and I think a lot of people enjoyed based on the box office. It stars Chris Hemsworth, Miles Teller, and Journey Smollett-Bell, and I kind of may or may not have like started drifting off because I started watching this late at night and I thought I may have imagined the end of the film or that I you know whatever it was and it I had to rewatch it the next morning and it was no I did not imagine it it was it was bad I don't I'm sorry it's bad there's no other way to say it so the premise is that Chris Hemsworth plays a super genius a uh, scientist who runs a, a sort of lab penitentiary. So they take inmates. They live. The inmates get to live in these really nice circumstances, but they also agree to be the lab rats. And this is not to say that you can't be, that super geniuses cannot also be super attractive and, you know, good looking and all that stuff and like really fit. That's not to say they're mutually exclusive. I just have a hard time believing Chris Hemsworth playing this role. They're also trying to do this thing where he's, you know, super like smooth and charming and he really just like wants to be one of the guys and be friends with the inmates. And his, I, I thought I was imagining that aspect of his performance. That's what I had to go back and rewatch. And it was just like, what are the choices here? Like, I don't, I don't get what the logic behind this is here. He's, I guess, trying to do a whole master manipulator thing. And it's, oh my God, I, I struggled so hard. And then Miles Teller and Jody Swollett play two of the inmates who are, you know, have volunteered for this program. They did sort of horrible things, but there are people who probably did worse things. And it's, it's that fine line of like, you have to find a crime for them that is bad enough that you understand why they're in jail, but not so bad that you hate them as characters. And I, what what they chose, I'm not going to spoil it, but what they chose, I was like, I don't, I don't know how I feel. I, I don't know. I do know how I feel about it. I felt it was boring or, or pedestrian. So, you know, it's all about these trials. And then it gets just like super bogged down in absolute gibberish pseudoscience. And uh, these trials are, uh, you know, medicines that can control you or make you feel certain things and they're developing them. And I just, the character choices the dialogue the music was always super I think it was intentional and maybe meant to be ironic but it always aggressively contrasted what was happening you'd have very peppy music going against these like horrific scenes just 
I also was shocked. I think it is based on a story that happened to the New Yorker. And I was like, yeah, I could see how this was a good short science fiction moment. But in, in stretched out into feature form, it sure did not work. And just, you know, I, the, the performances across the board from people who I know can be good actors. Not just Chris Hemsworth. He's not the only one at fault here. You know, Miles Teller's performance. I just, oh. Bad. It was bad. I didn't, I almost had fun. Almost. Like it was so, you know, it's one of those, oh, is this going to become a weird cult classic? I don't think so though, because it was just too painful to watch. And it's, it's just one of those moments where I, you know, we've talked about this before, but these Netflix originals, it used to mean like, oh, I'm so excited for this. And now more and more, it's just becoming like, oh no, what do I have to watch this week? And also, what a what a little like asterisk on Joseph Kosinski's summer, you know. If this had come up before, actually, I think people would have been worried about Top Gun Maverick. Maybe not because it was mostly about Tom Cruise, right? But to have to go from having you know one of the biggest films of the summer into having this be your next release, I am not not so great. Spiderhead, I could not get behind. I'm gonna give it a two point two out of five. And then next up, I actually have a trio of Sundance films for you uh, that are now coming out. The first one is called Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, and it stars Emma Thompson and Daryl McCormick and, you know, a couple other people. But it's mostly about them. And this feels like a quarantine film in the sense that it takes place in a very self-contained setting. You know, I uh, it's not about the quarantine or anything like that, but I can just, you know, I'm putting on my watch too many movies hat and it's just like, oh, all right, you were like, how can we safely make a movie? Not that you could, but, uh, you know, how can we make a movie that it has circumstances that uh, work and are, are feasible to achieve within a quarantine? So Emma Thompson plays an older woman or a, a person of, you know, she's not old, but she, she plays an Emma Thompson-aged character who uh, is a retired teacher. And tiny, tiny spoiler, but her husband passes. And so she decides to hire a sex worker because she has never experienced an orgasm and so the sex worker is played by Dale McCormick and you know this is a very actor film which is not a bad thing because when said actor is Emma Thompson you're gonna get a great performance and so I very much you know not being her age but still being just a human uh with emotions and feelings very much identified with some of her nervousness some of her you know I, I think there's a lot of stigma about talking about these things talking about these things being sex I guess and especially sex as a woman but uh you know this movie is Emma Thompson's movie to for sure you know that is why you are going to watch this movie I think she gives a great performance in it Daryl McCormick very charming for sure but this is Emma Thompson's show I think the relationship between them feels very liberating you know you go on a journey and I will say it actually is impressive that given this sort of uh, logistical constraints they seem to have put upon themselves possibly and maybe the quarantine put on them that they achieve like a really great sense of storytelling within such a confined space so if you are a fan of Emma Thompson I say watch this film I enjoyed it even if you aren't a fan of Emma Thompson probably watch this film and enjoy it and there's probably something you could learn from it honestly when it comes to relationships so I'm going to give it a 3.9 out of 5. And then the next film I have is called Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Also was a film that premiered at Sundance and it is written by, directed by, and stars Cooper Rafe. And I remember seeing his debut feature and it's it's a word that, I guess I'm not on radio anymore so I can say it, but I try not to swear in the reviews. But his first film was a film called Shit House, And uh, it was about a college student, you know, struggling to fit in and, and finding a connection with someone. And Cha-Cha Real Smooth is about a college graduate uh, you know, moving back home after graduating, struggling to find purpose in life, and then connecting with someone. So he clearly has a formula. 
And I think he's actually pretty good at the formula. So the person he connects to in this scenario is uh, Dakota Johnson's character. She plays a young mom of a daughter with autism. So that, you know, that comes into play. Um, Cooper Rafe has a younger brother. And the whole film, you know, it takes place at a bunch of bar and bat mitzvahs. Uh, and so he, you know, constantly taking his brother these things. And then he keeps running into Dakota Johnson. His mother is played by Leslie Mann. His stepfather is played by Brad Garrett. And again, I think it's a well done film it's it's pretty predictable it's still sort of warm fuzzy I, I was thinking to myself I was like if I was 10 years younger I probably would have had a massive crush on Cooper Rafe just because he's getting very good at playing this sort of uh, innocuous and safe seeming ambling through life jovial character and there are moments where he sort of tries to push himself a bit and I think you know be more uh, serious or dramatic or there's like crying moments or whatever but they, they make sense but they also always make sense within the spectrum of the same character that he has now played twice and so I am like oh it'd be cool to see if you can succeed working outside of your safety zone because you're clearly good at the safety zone with this and the character from the other film uh you know they're very they're almost they felt exactly the same they felt like probably what I would assume is an extension of him but I think it's a question of can you expand beyond this can you direct not just yourself if you want to be a director I actually don't know if he wants to be a director only or a writer only or whatever it is I think he's done a good job of showing that he can explore the current version of himself you know this young 20s guy etc etc but what will set him apart is can he take his directing acting writing whatever abilities and apply them to something that doesn't sit so squarely within his existing real life persona but I am interested to find out I think that is a compliment to him as a filmmaker etc uh cha-cha real smooth is streaming on apple tv plus and I think you know it's you're not gonna have a bad time it's he's a personable character for sure he's charismatic to watch Dakota Johnson is fine in it I struggle she she plays the same character over and over and over and this is no different and it's the same criticism I have for both of them right where he only has two films under his belt he has played the same character she when she's doing her she has a range and sort of a template and a formula and she sticks to it and I have yet to see her expand outside of it and I am getting kind of tired of seeing it with her and so you know I worry that it's a pattern for both of them I actually do want to give a brief shout out to Leslie Mann, who I think gave a better performance than she, uh, you know, she she stepped outside her usual comfort zone and uh, has some nice moments in this. But overall, it's still, it's a, it's a watchable movie. If you are past 22, you will relate to the young, dumb moments in it. And so I'm going to give it 3.7 out of 5. And then my last film this week is a slightly more surreal one. And I say that while including it in a week where, you know, there's like a testing, futuristic, whatever prison island so that should tell you something it's called brian and charles and it follows brian who is an inventor living in kind of rural wales and he builds a robot called charles and charles you know this is this is light science fiction uh charles is definitely functional charles has feelings and emotions it seems like and it's about the relationship between the two of them this i i think it technically qualifies as a feature it's very short it's an hour and 19 minutes which means you know why not watch it I guess but there's definitely a fear with a movie like this that you know you could be making fun of the protagonists uh Brian in particular and you know that's a fear with something like cha-cha real smooth where you have an autistic character and thankfully they clearly had input with, from stakeholders the actress herself is autistic etc uh Brian and Charles it's like oh are we gonna be punching downwards like what are we doing here and there are there are scenarios that acknowledge the otherness of his but I think ultimately it, it's still there's a love for these characters and that is what makes it watchable in the end it's nothing overly complex it does get very odd and, and can be trying if you were someone who was deeply uncomfortable with something like the first season of the office the UK office 
uh, you might be deeply uncomfortable with this film if you were someone who was like was able to calibrate based on that. I would say give Brian and Charles a try. Ultimately, like it's still sweet. And I think sweetness is something that we could use more of. Cha-Cha Real Smooth also had an element of sweetness and not saccharine sweet, just like there's a there's a wholesomeness to them at the end of the day that is uh, very hard to pull off. So I'm going to give Brian and Charles 3.6 out of 5. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.